Dear listeners, I'm Lauren Conlon, and before you embark on this investigative journey with me, I want to offer a sincere word of my acknowledgement and gratitude. When I, as the host, first set out on this path, I was admittedly very green. I lacked the seasoned expertise and finesse that comes with experience in investigative podcasting and reporting. However, Every story has a beginning and an ending, and this podcast represents the start of my own investigative odyssey. So as you dive into these episodes, you may notice rough edges or moments where my inexperience shines through, but please know that every stumble and misstep has been a crucial part of my learning process, and I've embraced each challenge as an opportunity for growth and improvement. So I want to express my heartfelt appreciation to each and every one of you who was stuck with the story despite my imperfections because Grant's story is important. So your support and patience have been invaluable as I've navigated the complexities of investigative podcasting and your feedback, whether constructive criticism, words of encouragement, or maybe something that wasn't so nice has helped me and helped shape this podcast into what it is today. So without further ado, here is Corruption, What Happened to Grant Solomon. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Corruption, What Happened to Grant Solomon, Season 2. I'm your host, Lauren Conlin, and it's great to be back. Oh my gosh, it's been so long. It feels like Season 1 officially ended in November, and I did come back to give you all a quick update on something pretty important that happened at the end of December, which we will get into again on this episode But ah, after this two and a half month break, I am just ready to begin recording episodes for everyone again. And I want to get that hashtag trending again, justice for Grant. It's fallen off a little bit, but let's get justice for Grant and freedom for Angie and Gracie Solomon. And 
freedom and justice for the people listening that just don't feel seen or heard. I hear you, I see you, and so do all of the people listening. So yay, we are officially back. And just a quick personal note or message from me. I want to say thank you again to everyone who supports this cause. I know that Angie is so grateful as well. But specifically uh, for me, people that listen to this podcast and have stuck with it, because I am well aware that it's not always easy to listen to my voice or my style of reporting. So yeah, I I was very, very much a green investigative podcaster last year and I still am, but I promise I'm getting better. So I appreciate people being supportive and kind amid the outspoken people that find me very annoying. And I'm self-aware. I know I can be annoying, but I did want to say thank you um, for sticking with me. So, and as you can tell now, we do have ads throughout this podcast. I moved over to a new podcast hosting company. So hopefully you'll notice and appreciate the better quality in production overall. Okay, so let's get started with some housekeeping items, so to speak. So as you know, the citizen complaint against GCA by the Concerned Citizens of Franklin, Tennessee was filed December 28th, and the citizens asked for a response by January 28th, which is in a few days. And so far, no one given the complaint has responded, not the Williamson County Sheriff's Office, not the Highway Patrol But I have been emailing with the mayor of Franklin, Ken Moore, who actually didn't get the complaint until mid-January because he was away, but I actually emailed him asking for an interview and, and just to make sure that he got the complaint. And he denied the interview, which fine, whatever. But I was like, okay, I'll be here waiting for your response and hopefully a plan of action to either investigate GCA or ensure that this doesn't happen again to any other student or family because they've implemented XYZ protocol. So I will personally be following up with the mayor's office on the 28th. And I got the feeling that he might have known of me uh, because of the podcast. And maybe he thought I was trying to do some kind of gotcha interview, which I just wouldn't do that at all. I just thought it would be helpful for people to hear his thoughts about Grant and the school and the church because it's Franklin. So yeah, I will keep everyone updated on that. And then here's an update on George Brewer. So he had been pushing off his court date, but he goes to court tomorrow, which is January 25th at 8 a.m. So please send him good thoughts, prayers, if you do that kind of thing. And just to refresh everyone's memory, George sent an admin at GCA a message on Facebook saying that she'd basically answer for her sins one day and she had him arrested. So I emailed her a few months prior for an official comment to no response. And I guess I'm not really surprised at that. But I will also keep everyone updated on how things went for George. And um, it's, oh my gosh, I'm very anxious for him, but hopefully everything will be fine. And um, the judge will be fair. Oh my gosh, I know I talk a lot about that on this podcast, how I feel like the judges are unfair, but yeah, fingers crossed for George. And um, okay, so a lot of you have been asking via social media, when's Nancy Grace coming? Well, I'm just as anxious as all of you are, and the truth is it's still illegal. So 
This case is tough for a lot of people because no arrests have been made. So that makes it very hard to cover, I guess. Um, and it's so incredibly frustrating because it's really, it's it's the big media companies like Red Seat Ventures that have to be very careful in their coverage, I'm guessing. And this is, this is just me guessing. I know it's illegal, but this is just my guess as to um, why it's taking so long. So I also took the time and I wrote a letter to DA Ray Whitley because my former guest, political journalist Scotty Hughes, she promised me that she'd get it into his hands one way or another. And I did try calling him a few times a few months ago, but never got a call back. So the least he can do is read my letter. And I know that Melanie Hicks has written letters to Governor Lee, A.G. Skirmetti, and nothing has been done. Um, Melanie is friendly with Angie, and she also was a guest on this podcast in season one. And, you know, I'm not sure as to why I think my letter would be any different, but perhaps knowing that Scotty, who is very dialed in with Tennessee politics, agrees with me and how corrupt this whole thing looks, maybe D.A. Whitley will make a call or do the right thing. And I want to read you the letter really quickly because there is one thing that I believe might make him a little bit nervous, and I will explain. Quote, Dear Mr. Ray Whitley, District Attorney, I hope this email finds you well. You are most likely aware that I am the creator and host of the podcast Corruption, What Happened to Grant Solomon. Last April of 2023, when I began looking into Grant, Gracie, and Angie's story, I truly didn't have a clue as to what I was getting into. I was, and still am, a quote-unquote green investigative podcaster and reporter who mainly covered pop culture and entertainment. But I knew this case was different. I could feel the pain of Angie and Gracie Solomon in my soul and the pain of so many others who have been ignored and slighted by this community. It became increasingly challenging as a Christian woman who leans politically right of center at times to comprehend that it's right-leaning Christians who are the ones working tirelessly to ensure that the community forgets about Grant, forgets about that disturbing 911 call, forgets the lack of investigation done by the Gallatin PD, and even forgets about Tucker Ward and the Ward Performance Institute. Mr. Whitley, I've spoken to countless people in City Legal, at Sumner Regional Medical, first responders that showed up to WPI that day. I've had the Assistant Chief of Police, Bill Sorrells, hang up on me. I've left messages for Don Bandy, the Chief of Police, and helped organize peaceful protests to urge the reopening of Grant's case, and then called in many outside experts who all agree that something is not right. I am aware that ADA Ron Blanton declared in 2021 that you, quote, reopened the investigation and then considered it closed again after sending a group of experts to the scene of the accident at WPI. I'm not sure how this is sufficient without having the Gallatin Police Department do an accident reconstruction. If this were my son, nothing would be acceptable until your team took the proper protocols to make the most accurate ruling, especially if the injuries sustained did not match the story of what happened. Are you a parent, a grandparent? Can you agree that you would want to be 100% sure if your healthy child had just died suddenly in an accident? 
Additionally, after a 2023 FOIA request was submitted to the Gallatin PD for body cam footage by journalist Beth Braden, the response was that the body cam footage did not exist. Three to four officers arrive at the scene of an accident that's potentially fatal, and none of them are wearing a body cam? There's no footage? Can you please confirm that this is typical? I am aware that you have received numerous letters and phone calls over the years begging for you to investigate Grant's death. I also understand that this decision is not yours alone. There is possibly more to this story that prohibits you from digging further. I urge you, please, to do the right thing. This isn't going away. Whether you address it now here on earth or when it's your judgment day, please give the people and this family some peace. I hope to hear back from you soon. Thank you for reading. Best Lauren Conlin, end quote. So the part that I thought may not sit well with him is the part about the body cam footage. So I think that along with the lack of investigation done and how they treated Angie Solomon, those things right there, I think the department might need to be looked into by the federal government to see if they're actually running all of their investigations this way. So I am talking about this other case on my other podcast, the Outlier podcast. It's a case out of Boston. And right now, the state police are being investigated over the way they worked on a specific case. And I truly believe that we can make that happen here. So I'm working on that route right now. Okay. So for today, for today's guest and for the meat of this episode, I wanted to go back to religion and Christianity as it pertains to Grant, Gracie, and Angie and the way that they were treated. And just please, as as a blanket statement, this podcast, I'm reminding you all, it centers and focuses around issues in Tennessee, possible cover-ups, alleged corruption, specifically within the churches in Tennessee. So I am aware that this type of corruption is is not just happening in Tennessee, but I'm reminding you that that is what this podcast is about. So please don't take any offense to this. So pastors like Steve Berger, who claim that they can talk to the dead or use Bible verses when it benefits them, uh, that can easily be taken out of context, it pushes people away. And the administration at GCA, oh my gosh, along with the testimonies of people who attended the school and, and the recordings of their actions, that place, that just, to me, that that doesn't reflect the teachings of Jesus Christ. And I will apologize to those listening who aren't very religious, but I do think it's important to discuss this. It's a big component uh, to this story and to this case. So you're going to hear from my guest, who is a total outsider to the story and the case, and he's just like, wow, I mean, a church or religious school, they absolutely butchered this. And just going back to Angie Solomon's op-ed on the AnglicanWatch.com website, She makes it very clear, it's been Christians that persecuted us here. And I'm going to remind everyone, Christians are absolutely not perfect. They make mistakes, oh my gosh, just like everyone else. But it's when you have the former CEO of Visual Health, Sam Johnson, 
calling himself a Christian on national television during an interview w- with Newsmax. And, and this interview that he's doing, it's because, as you all know, he followed a teen around the Harpeth Hotel in a prom dress, calling them an idiot. And you're like, man, if he's supposed to be a Christian, well, who is Satan? And this CEO of Visual Health, Sam Johnson, he also participated in the video that Angie and Melanie Hicks took of Aaron Solomon explaining what happened to Grant that day. You can go back to season one to listen to that episode with Sam sort of guiding Aaron in the right direction, in my opinion. But anyway, um, a random side note to the prom dress story at the Harpeth Hotel, a listener actually emailed me and said, oh, I, I heard you mention the prom dress thing in an episode on, on season one, but I want to correct you. I was there and it was way worse in person than you made it out to be. This guy was intensely bullying this kid. And, and yeah, then he gets an interview on national TV and he says this, you know what? I'm just going to play it for you. So here we go. 
All right. Now, what are your thoughts about um, an 18 year old? Clearly, this is a man and he's wearing a dress. Um, a dress can be provocative even if, when it's worn by a woman. What are your thoughts about an 18 year old man, boy, who's wearing a dress? Look, as a Christian, I think that all people are created equal. I don't have any uh, ill feelings towards these teenagers. I think that they uh, have the right to do whatever they want, but I also should have the right to ask a question if I want to about what they're doing. And what was your question? Because it's a little bit, we can't exactly follow in the video. I just asked him why he was wearing a red dress, and, and that's, that's pretty much the long and short of it. Now, at one point, uh, look, I want to be clear here. <laughs> if you called him an idiot, and that's what it Okay, I think you've heard enough and you get the picture. But yeah, he went on national television and called himself a protector of children. And my opinion is that I, I just don't buy that knowing what I know. And, and I just wanted to show you all that this is what the people in this town and in the surrounding areas deal with. Men in power claiming to be good people, but in reality, we know that their heart is, is just not pure. And I've had sources share a bit more about why Sam Johnson in particular isn't so nice, but that is just not super important right now. Uh, so let's let's get to my guest for today, Angel Kiros, who is the founder of Red Liberty Media, and he's a Christian YouTuber. So I wanted to discuss with him as a man of God, very, very familiar with theology and the Bible, and as a journalist, just a few instances of hypocrisy to get a fresh, unbiased take. And by the way, you can also head to redlibertymedia.com for a feature that I did on Grant and this story, a, a very high-level story, um, just to get the word out there because Angel is awesome. And he was like, yes, this story needs to be told, especially because the mainstream media won't touch it. So here is my interview with Angel. I will play that and then I will come back and close us out. You know, you've done some pretty incredible work. You're very outspoken uh, in a world where it's not so popular to be a Christian these days. Just talk a little bit about your work at Red Liberty. Sure. So uh, when starting Red Liberty, one of the ideas behind it was to create a place where um, journalists who actually wanted to try and tell unbiased, authentic news and stories and do coverage had a place that where they can actually share those things and not be censored or not be edited mm. um, until it's diluted of the truth. So the uh, the journey behind Red Liberty Media is exactly that. We want to create a place where constitutional journalism can thrive and the people that are doing that journalism don't feel the need to um, change their opinions or hide their views in order to appease a corporation of any kind. You know, let's let's just jump in here because I gave you a, a bit of information on yes. what we've been dealing with, with the, the church and with the school and how they handled a lot of these situations, which is, it, it was just... Incredibly terrible uh, for the right. family. And, and, and it's like, you know, it's, we can go into a different conversation about just what a school should do in general, let alone a right. Christian school. Something that I, I had mentioned to you is that this school never reported it. I mean, what do you, wow. what do you make of that as just, you know, as a Christian man, as someone in the media, uh, you know, how, how, how would you have handled that? Uh, for me, 
my head goes to two places. So obviously from the media side, it's astonishing and it's something that I think is newsworthy in itself and should be reported. Now, I also work um, on staff at a church. And so I look at it through the lens of what would your responsibilities be as somebody who is on a staff of a spiritual organization? And, and to me, things like this should absolutely be handed right over to the authorities, should absolutely be put right out into public because uh, these are the kind of things that are very sensitive. And especially when you're dealing with people's safety and you're dealing with people's hearts in that way, it's not something that you can take lightly and it's not something you can just sit on and you can't be passive in moments like that. The state of Tennessee, the Department of Child Services did substantiate this abuse. I do call it alleged abuse a lot um, because, mm-hmm. the, you know, uh, Aaron Solomon has never been prosecuted. He's never been thrown in jail for this abuse. Right. Again, it was substantiated. And um, at one point there was a restraining order in place, but still, really? yeah, but still the the school seemed to be like, you know, we're doing um, what we feel is right. Uh, and, and, you know, making sure that Gracie has a place to go if she's scared. I mean, it's like, what? Sure. Thanks. But like, mm-hmm. this is just, this is not okay. It's, it's like hand it over to the authorities and, and let them handle it. And in, in a lot, a lot of times, especially in ministry, one of the areas where people drop the ball is that initial confrontation about something bad that is happening in the congregation or in the school. I think if this were to come to my desk, if, if the recordings were to have come to my desk, I think it's an immediate phone call to the authorities. I think it's an immediate um, meeting. I, I truly believe that there is a, a power in confrontation that needs to be executed by leaders in the church specifically. So immediately calling to talk to this guy um, and and ask him to his face and see if he's going to lie directly to you or if he's going to be upfront and honest, um, in which case the authorities still need to be called. I think at the end of the day, there is an accountability that has to be had from from this guy and, and it has to be played and it has to be framed in an appropriate way. So it needs to be maybe he walks in and there is a police officer there already waiting for, mm. you know, either a confession or a denial yeah. and you can proceed from there. Um, thank God for us. There's, there's already police officers in our church. So that wouldn't even be that big of a, of a, of wow. a, a reach, you know? So just including yeah. them in that conversation. I think one of the things that scripture always mentions is when you are confronting somebody to have a witness with you. So having that extra pair of eyes, having that witness, be able to witness the confrontation and talk about it later on, just in case people try and spin things, which we know happens all the time. Um, you actually have some backup and you have somebody objective there that's willing to tell you exactly what happened in that meeting. Okay. So this, this brings me to another point. Um, and you bring up the witness and this has been very highly ridiculed, uh, because Steve Berger, the former pastor of Grace Chapel, he, and he also was, uh, or I think he, I believe he is, he's an advisor, spiritual advisor to Governor Bill Lee, the governor of Tennessee. He had said um, pretty, pretty soon after Gracie Solomon made this YouTube video alleging that her father uh, molested her and raped her, he had given a a speech and it really was, was toward uh, Christine Blasey Ford and the whole Brett Kavanaugh thing. And he said, you know, you need three witnesses to um, basically make it official. And that, what does it say? But you understand, beloved, that we either have two to three witnesses for civility or we have no need of witnesses and have injustices ready to happen every single time. For what you said, yes, sure, that's 
you should have a witness if you're confronting somebody. But right. uh, when it comes to somebody beating the crap out of somebody or, or sexually assaulting, uh, right. I, I don't think a witness is is necessary. Yeah, I think the burden of proof is on him to disprove those things, right? I think there's a obviously a child is not going to create and fabricate something like this out of nowhere. And when there's recordings to back it up, I think that counts as more than three witnesses. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> if there's if there's people there that are actually, uh, for example, her her mom being able to record these conversations of people saying, well, she can't just run her mouth like this. And, you know, th- we're doing this for her own good. I think I think those things count as additional witnesses. Um I, I don't know if there's any validity to using the scripture in that way because yeah. there's this is not a situation where let's say a brother offended you, which is kind of what that verse is about, right? That verse is kind of it's more based on the fact of you offended me, you did something to hurt my feelings, or you're committing some sort of heresy. Um, this is not any of those things. This is a matter of legality. This is a matter of you broke the law by hurting a minor, and that in itself requires due process. And so I think, you know, him using that and twisting that scripture just shows you exactly where his heart is. That is such a good point. And that's where I think think a lot of people get bit put off by him um, because you can't, you can't use the Bible to your favor when it favors you. And and I did an episode uh, last season about him doing this and, and specifically in saying, you know, when he, he tragically had a son pass away and I, I cannot even imagine, I literally can't, I don't even want to think about it, but he, and, and everybody copes differently. Everybody copes differently. And he has gone on record saying that he is is a prophet and he can speak to his son. And I I just found that to be like, well... I think the issue comes in with those doctrines in particular when you hold other people to different standards than you hold yourself to. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole idea of being a prophet in scripture is a very complicated issue. But the Bible also says that you shouldn't be contacting the dead. So if he's saying that he can talk to his son prophetically, that doesn't line up. That contradicts scripture. Um, it, it It's a misuse and a misrepresentation of what prophecy actually is. Prophecy yeah. is used to edify and upbuild and build up the church. It's not used to um, contact a son that you may be in mourning over. As much of a tragedy as that is, that's, that's not what it's for. And him being a pastor he should probably know that his son is in a better place and that he's actually at peace now, you know, regardless of the tragedies that may have happened here, there is that element of us as believers saying we put our hope in the decisions that God has made. We put our hope in Jesus and knowing that even if, if we were to tragically go away, we're actually with our God. Now we're with our King, we're with our creator. And, um, yeah, it's a it's a sore misuse of scripture. I, I, it's phenomenal that you even told me that because it, yeah. it blows my mind that somebody would use scripture that way. Yeah, no, there there's a lot of this that yeah. that is embedded in this this whole case and this this whole story. I mean, it it actually is a real shame, Angel, because of learning about this. And then if you actually dig very deep into some of these things that go on in these Southern Baptist churches, it'll absolutely destroy you. I mean, the Catholic church has a really bad rap, obviously, with the priests and, and whatnot. But man, I digging into some of this stuff, I mean, you can look up these cases. Uh, you know, there is a church in, in Brentwood 
It's called mm-hmm. the Fellowship Baptist. There was a rape of a preschool boy in 2015, and they, and they they covered it up. Yes. There's so many instances, yeah, of of youth pastors involved in human trafficking, and and so I guess my point is, it's really turned a lot of people off to going to church. Absolutely. So, um, and and I don't know how somebody can bounce back from that. Uh, if they're in this area, you know, right? Like the the skeptic of the church, you're saying it, it's going to turn them yeah, off from ever even, of you know, taking God seriously. I I think my advice to a person like that would be to not fault God for what bad followers of God would do, right? So uh, uh, the example I like to use is if somebody plays Bach or Beethoven poorly, do you blame Bach or Beethoven, or do you blame the player of the of the actual composition? I think in the same way, it's like that with God. Just because somebody represents Christ poorly, we can't fault Christ for that. And I think a lot of this comes from idolatry of and and uh, putting people up in places of, let, let's say, let's call it institutional power, for lack of a better term, within mm-hmm. the church, and then giving them this power that almost can't be taken away. I think that's not the model that the church was meant to have. The model the church was meant to have was that the pastors or the the leaders were to be servants of the people. And I think we've taken that and inverted it, where now they are authoritarian kind of dictators as opposed to servants. Jesus talks about who's the greatest when the disciples are arguing back and forth. God, who Jesus, who do you think is the greatest among us? He said, if you want to be the greatest, then you have to be the least of these. You have to serve. I came to serve. Jesus himself came to serve. What makes a leader or preacher or pastor think they are any different or any better than Jesus? That's a really good point. And that that is something that I think, yeah, people should be reminded of. And, and yeah, your pastor is is there to serve you just, just like Jesus. And yeah, it, it, like I said, it just, it breaks my heart because a lot of these people in this area, as I've gotten to speak with a lot of them, they're, they're very turned off by the church because they just feel like it's not a safe place anymore, unfortunately, because you do hear so much about, and again, I don't want people to think I've gotten a lot of heat saying, Oh, this is not just Tennessee. This is not just the South. Sorry. This podcast is heavily focused on Tennessee, which is why I'm saying <laughs> right. that. I'm sure it happens everywhere. But these right. are the instances that I know about and that I'm discussing. So Absolutely. I, I think you do an amazing job of bringing that to light and, and highlighting the issues. Just because we highlight issues within the church, it doesn't mean we hate the church or anything like that. It, on the contrary, we're doing it because we care about the church. Mm. right? And that, that's kind of my approach to this, too. Um, if I didn't care about the church, I would just blow over these issues and and not necessarily say i would just look at this person as as an indicative of the entire christian church as opposed to saying no the church is still worth salvaging we just need to restructure we just need to focus on what's actually important here which is pursuing god and living holy which means not breaking the law and abusing children obviously here in here in the tri-state area um there's similar things happening i i think this is to me what it what i what i would call it is right-wing virtue signaling right like where's the epstein flight logs but the issues that i already know about that are actually important to the people 
I don't want to touch because it'll get in the way of what I, of the power that I want to attain. Mm -hmm. And I I think this happens a lot in politics in general. Um, Whenever something is happening to somebody that's close to you or in your sphere of influence or whatever you want to call it, um, you kind of tend to turn a blind eye towards it because you don't want to hurt your own future career in this area. And I think that's something that has to end rapidly and we should stand for objective moral values as opposed to, um, you know, just sticking up for our friends and covering our butts. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And you actually nailed what I believe in my opinion is going on with all of this and why none of this was handled correctly because of what you just said, everybody looking out for their friends, but no, I do appreciate you just loaning your voice. Thank you so much for having me. I, yeah. I'm i very glad that there's people like you out there covering these things and making sure that, you know, the weak do have a voice in these situations. And thank you for being honest in the media, which is a rarity. Okay, that was Angel Kiros, founder of Red Liberty Media. You can see his work there, or you can check out his YouTube at Angel Kiros. He did mention something that made me think, did GCA ever approach Aaron Solomon about the abuse of Gracie? And if they did, was it a real meeting? Wouldn't they have involved Angie Solomon in this meeting? Uh, My guess, my speculation is that they probably called him in and and were like, oh, we heard this crazy rumor. We know it's not true. Sorry to bother you. But yeah, that's if I had to guess. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed listening to Angel's take on things from a religious perspective. And I promise you this whole podcast will not be about religion and Christianity. I have some great experts lined up to weigh in on Grant and Gracie's case. And I also have to say some of the email tips that listeners have provided me with have been really amazing and led to uh, certain trails that I am still investigating. So please know that if you have something to say or important information, you can come forward and be totally anonymous. Okay, check out the episode notes for the Red Liberty Media article and other source material as well. And I will be back next week for another episode of Corruption, What Happened to Grant Solomon?
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.